we are starting a new series for the summer. I'm really excited about it. This is something we, um, Ed and I and our team have been talking about, gosh, for a couple months now, I think. And so series, if you can see by this cool graphic behind me, it's called Names and Stories. And like Michaela said, we're going to, we're going to hear from a lot of different voices throughout the summer. And we're really excited about it. We've got some people lined up that are, have walked through just completely different lifestyles and have seen and experienced things and learned lessons along the way that we're really excited for you guys to get to hear and just go on that journey with them. So tonight I get, I get to kind of kick this off, which is a weird feeling because I don't normally kick series off. I usually just speak in them. Um, so I'm kind of honored to do that tonight. So if you have your Bibles or a phone or some type of gadget that you can have the Googles, go to that and type in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Kind of the heart of this series before I jump into my message tonight is um, we really, really believe here at UDYA that every single person's story matters. Uh, no matter what you have walked through, whether something big or something seemingly insignificant, your story is unique to you, and it has a part to play in the people's lives around you, and God wants to use it, and we really, really believe that, and that's kind of one of our main mottos here at UDYA. And so this series, kind of our main scripture as we were praying about this series and putting it together is Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, where it says, we overcome by the blood of the lamb. So the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us and the word of our testimony. And that's our story. That's our kind of our life's message. And so I'm going to kind of start off by sharing my life's message with you tonight, which is a weird thing to say. Um, to be honest, growing up, I um, really struggled with feeling like I didn't have a story. I remember, how many of you, like, went to, like, children's church school growing up? Okay. <laughs> Raise your hand if you ever heard the term, oh, they're just building their testimony. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm not alone. So I grew up hearing this phrase all over the place. When, when someone I knew that was older than me kind of just decided to, go off the deep end, if you will, and make some poor decisions. And I remember asking my parents or a leader in my life, like, what's going on? Where'd they go? Oh, they're just building their testimony. <laughs> and as a little kid, I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> I don't know what that means. As I got older and I realized what that meant, I was kind of struck with this thought one day. I'm a only child from a white suburban household with a Christian family, grew up in church, like, I'm kind of boring. Like, there's not some element of my life that, like, yeah, I was born in an African jungle and came over here by ship, and now I'm here, and I was 12 and went on safari. Like, that's not my life. And so I, I actually remember, you can laugh at me for this because I laugh at myself now, but I actually remember specific a few specific times in high school, thinking to myself, I wonder if I should try and do something really dumb to make my testimony more interesting. <laughs> like, this was not a joking thought. This was, hmm, 
I wonder if this is something that I should do so that I have a story that God can use to minister to people down the road. Literally, that was my thought. And um, it was funny because this was, this was a legitimate, I laugh at it now, but I legitimately struggled with this, feeling like I didn't have a story, I didn't have anything to share with people. I hadn't really walked through anything. And I remember um, I was a, a youth leader in our youth ministry here for a long time, and I was at a summer camp probably, gosh, maybe like six years ago. And I remember just feeling led to pray with this certain student at the altar, and she's, you know, she's crying and whatnot, and I'm praying over her, and um, we're done praying, and I turn to her, and I'm, I'm like, is there anything specific I can pray for you for? And she literally, this is what she says to me, I feel like God can't use me because I haven't experienced anything in my life and I don't have a story to tell. And it was that moment that I realized, holy cow, God, I do have a story. This is my story. And you're using it right now to minister to this girl that desperately needs to hear reassurance from you. And that kind of just was a spark in me of recognizing that every single person, no matter if you have the quote-unquote craziest life experience in the world or if you're a suburban white girl like me, like you have a story and your story is powerful and God wants to use it. And so that's why I'm so just excited for this series and I'm excited for what's to come. And so tonight, like I said, I'm going to kind of share a part of my story with you. And, um, you know, for me growing up, like I said, I was kind of a stereotypical just Christian white girl that grew up in a Christian household. And, you know, I didn't have a lot, like a lot of exciting things going on, but, um, something that I really battled a lot growing up was just that feeling of insecurity, the feeling of not being able to measure up. Um, for me, I was a big kid my whole life. And I remember since second grade, like realizing, oh, I'm bigger than all the other kids in my class. I was taller. Um, I was literally, I think, the tallest one in my class, taller than all the boys up until, like, sixth grade. And that was, you know, just a hard thing as a girl, not feeling... I had so many friends that were, like, these cute little petite girls, and were like, hi, look at me. And I was, like, towering above them. And not only that, but I've always kind of struggled with my weight. And so... um, it was, it was tough, you know, kids can be tough growing up, and um, I remember specific times uh, sitting on the bus and sitting down next to a kid that I didn't know, and him telling me he wasn't going to sit by me because I looked like a cow. Um, that happened. I remember being in recess or PE, and the teacher saying, okay, we're going to break up into teams. How many of you know where I'm going with this? And you stand in line, and they pick team captains, and then they pick, I want this person. And this person, and this person, and they get to the end of the line, and you're the only kid standing in line, and they're like, oh, I guess we'll take her. That was me. That happened. Um, you know, so many just experiences like that that were not fun. You know, I remember being in high school, and all of my friends were dating in relationships, and all that that entails, and all the drama that unfolds, and I praise the Lord that I didn't have to endure any of that. But at the time, I felt really alone. You know, I felt like, man, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get myself a boyfriend? And again, I'm so thankful now that I quote unquote missed out from that experience because it kept me who I was and prepared me for when I met Ed. And I'm really thankful for that, you know, but at the time it, it sucked. It was hard. 
And I don't share all this stuff with you guys to be like, oh, sad, poor Brittany. She really experienced some tough stuff. Like, I share this with you guys to paint a picture for you kind of where I was at in the place of insecurity that I was struggling with. And um, maybe you relate to some of those things. Maybe you don't. And that's okay. It's my story. It's not your story. But I paint that picture tonight as kind of just a way to explain to you that's, that's where I was and that was the place that I struggled from and I still, to this day, struggle with insecurity and I'm kind of on that journey of figuring that out. And I really have learned some things along the way. I feel like God has intentionally put people in my life at the right time to speak some truths into me that I really, really needed to hear. And so that's kind of, I want to share four things with you tonight, um, kind of about what I've learned on my journey along the way. Is that cool? Cool. I'm going to pray and then I'll get into it. God, I just thank you so much for this group of young adults. I thank you for each and every single one of theirs, their own stories. God, I thank you for the power within that. God, whether they feel like they've walked through a lot of life experience or no life experience at all. God, I thank you that you love each and every one of them where they're at and you want to use them to impact the people around them. God, I pray that they would receive that tonight. In your name, amen. How many of you in the room, if you're being honest, are Taylor Swift fans? Do I have any Swifties in the room? Like 50-50. The rest of you, are you like, man, I hate Taylor Swift? Or you're kind of like, man, I don't really carry the way. How many haters in the room? Okay, all right. I can talk to most of you. So for me, being real, I'm a Swifty, okay? Michaela, I know you know my heart. Michaela and I go way back, like seven years ago. You, she was like just a little tyke. And that was what we connected on. I was her youth leader. She was one of my girls in my small group, and we connected on T-Swift, man. Like, I think we even, do you remember the time that we sat at my house in small group and looked at all of my Taylor Swift catalogs? Yeah, that was a thing. So I love me some Taylor Swift. You know, I don't support all of her life choices right now. She's kind of doing her own thing. She's building her testimony. <laughs> just heard that not only should, did she just break it with Calvin Harris, but apparently she was seen making out with Loki. What the frick? Okay, if you're going to make out with someone, make out with Thor. Come on. Who makes out with Loki? He's the ugly brother. Okay, anyway. On that note, <laughs> I'm a big T-Swift fan. I'm going to reel it back in. One of my favorite jams of hers from her last album that came out, I don't even know, last summer. Yeah, last summer. I mean, you know the song Blank Space? I've got a blank space, baby, and I'll write your name. That one? Yeah, y'all tracking with me? Okay. So, love that song. Jammed to it all summer. Still jamming to it now. Being real, Okay. So I'm, I'm listening to this song one day and I, there's, you know how sometimes there's like a line in a song that you think it says something, but you're not really sure if that's really what it says. And you're kind of just like, and I got your name. Yeah. That was kind of like this moment for me. And I'm the kind of person that I can only put up with that so long. Like I have to know what it says. I'm the kind of person that like, oh, okay, I'm going to get on a soapbox for a second. Are you, is anyone in the room the kind of person that will drive around in their car and have the radio on, like just enough to kind of hear like a little, like a little, little fuzz? 
Like you can kind of tell that the radio's on, but you can't really tell what they're singing or what song it is. Is anyone like that? Praise God. Okay, most of you are not like that. This drives me insane. My mom does this. And anytime I'm riding with her, she'll like have the radio on, but it's so low. It's on like volume two that you can't tell what song is playing or what words they're saying. It literally drives me insane. And so if I'm going to have music on, I'm going to have it loud enough so I can hear what the song is and I can sing along to it. Okay. So this was this moment for me with blank space. So I'm like, all right, I got to find out what these words are. I look it up on my phone and I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be forever. It's going to go down in flames. Okay, yeah, I knew that part. You can tell me when it's over if the high was worth the pain. Got a long list of ex-lovers. They'll tell you I'm insane. Because you know I love the players and you love the game. Everyone's tracking with me now. Because we're young and we're reckless. We'll take this way too far. I'll leave you breathless or with a nasty scar. Get a long list of ex-lovers, not Starbucks lovers. They'll tell you I'm insane. But I've got a blank space, baby, and I'll write your name. And then there's my favorite line in the song that says, because baby, I'm a nightmare dressed like a daydream. I almost did a message in our dating series called that. Don't date a nightmare dressed like a daydream. That's a different story. And I'm reading these lyrics and I'm like, Taylor Swift, what are you saying here? And she's singing things like, tell me when it's over, if the high was worth the pain. I've got a blank space, baby. I'll write your name in it. It's okay. We can do this. I've dated a bunch of guys, but I'm going to add you to my list of long ex-lovers. I'm cool with that. And I'm like, I don't know if I support you right now, Tay. This is not okay. I found out later that she wrote the song as like a, a joke to all the people that say that she's the kind of girl that just dates around and doesn't care. So it's a tribute to that. But at the time, I'm like, what are you talking about, girl? This is not okay. Not okay. I was kind of mad. Stopped listening to it for a while. And then it came on the radio, and I was in love with it again. So there it is. But I wanted to, I, I share that, those song lyrics with you tonight. That's my message. I'm done. Amen. No, but I share this because I think a lot of times, again, no matter your journey, no matter your story, a lot of us end up with these blank spaces. And, and we try and fill them with this, that, or the other thing. Like I already shared, my, my struggle growing up was food. Um, I learned at a young age to go to food for comfort. Um, if I was bored, if I didn't have a friend to hang out with, if I was in a social setting and other people were eating, blah, 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 the list goes on and on and on. Some of you can relate with that. Some of you probably can't, and that's okay. Um, maybe you have a different thing that that's kind of your quote-unquote mechanism. And one of the biggest things that I have learned throughout my journey is that that is just a tool that ends up, you know, temporarily filling this void inside of me, but doesn't last. And so my first point tonight, if you're taking notes, kind of the first thing that I learned is remember who you are. All my night of kids in the room just went back to Lion King when Mufasa says to Simba, remember who you are. I can't do the Mufasa voice, so I'm not going to try it, but remember who you are. I had you open to Ephesians 2. You can flip back to that now. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. It's one of my favorite verses. This you 
some people say their verse is their life verse. I guess this would be one of mine. But I love in um, the Amplified Version, kind of expands on this a little bit. And it says, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined or planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. We are God's masterpiece. I'm kind of a geek, and I like to look up words sometimes. Actually, I got this from Ed, so I can blame my geekiness on Ed. But there's an app called Blue Letter Bible, and you can look at a verse and look at all these interliers. Is that how you say that word? Interliers? I don't know. I'm not smart enough for that. But Or concordance. And it looks, you can like click on a word and then see its original like Greek root. I know this is super geeky, but just track with me for a second. Okay. So I wanted to know, this is one of my favorite verses. I wanted to kind of like do some more study on it. So I look it up in this concordance and look up that word masterpiece. And then it means a work of outstanding artistry, skill, or workmanship, an artist's best and most prized piece of work. The synonym for this is something called magnum opus. How many of you watched the movie Charlotte's Web growing up? Yeah? Remember at the end when she's like, I'm going to create my magnum opus. Thank you for laughing, Sammy. <laughs> I love you. But this, what this means, it's a synonym to masterpiece, and it says means it is the most important achievement of an artist or creator. And that is what God calls us means the creator of the universe, the creator who's made the heavens and the earths and the seas and all the weird creatures that are in them, he considers us as humans to be his greatest work of art. Well, that's pretty amazing. That's something that every time I read that, I'm kind of struck with that. But here's the thing, and this is where the blank space comes into the picture. See, the enemy has a funny way of tricking us and believe, making us believe that we don't measure up, that we don't have what it takes, that we've got, we don't have enough to give people for what they want. We don't have enough to make people happy. And that is such a lie from the enemy because the reality is the enemy knows that if he can get in here and make us believe that we're not good enough, that we're not worthy enough, that we don't measure up, then he can keep us from doing the things that God planned for us long ago, right? So he knows that if he can get in here and convince our, make us believe that we don't have what it takes, that we can't do something, then we're stuck right there in our tracks because he's got us where he wants us. And it stops us from doing what God planned for us, okay? So... First thing, remember who you are. Remember who you are. You are God's masterpiece, his greatest work of art. Second thing, know his voice. Know his voice. I love that Ed spoke on the Bible last week and the power of God's word and how it's so much more than we think. That's something that's been such a challenge in my life. But it's such a just a true practical example that when we are dedicated to being in God's word day in and day out, how we begin to 
be able to decipher his voice amongst all the rest, right? And we can, it's like his voice kind of comes to the forefront and we can easily drown out the others because we know what his sounds like. Okay, so learn his voice. In John chapter 10, John chapter 10, I'll give you a second to get there if you want to. But John chapter 10, 10 verses one through five, it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger They will only run from him because they don't know his voice. I love this chunk of scripture because it's such a, I just think the perfect picture of, again, when we take the time to be in God's word, to to know what his voice sounds like, to hear that small prompting or sometimes just the overpowering peace that comes with hearing his voice and hearing his direction. When When we get to a place where we daily just find ways to, you know, create out a pocket of time to read your Bible in the morning or do your devotion or whatever that looks like for you. And you take the time to learn God's voice. It's so easy to shut out the thief and the robber who tries to hop over the gate. They're not welcome, but they try and come anyway. But when we know God's voice, he's able to keep that gate protected and keep in only what is good and what is true, what is noble, what is right and keep out the enemy who only wants to come to steal, kill, and destroy, right? You're tracking with me, okay? So know his voice so that you can be on guard, that you can protect your mind. Make sense? Okay. Third thing. This kind of goes along with this, but rehearse the truth, silence the lies. Rehearse the truth. Silence the lies. Again, I love last week how Ed ended his message with us in small groups, and we had a chance to kind of go around and hear some of the main things that people were struggling with and got to encourage them with some scriptures that stood out to us or shared our our favorite scriptures that encourage us. But this is such a, you know, we didn't do that just by happen chance. We did that because we wanted you to, to have a time where you intentionally sat down with people that you do life with or maybe you haven't done life with, but someone that's there that can point out scripture to you that's going to encourage you when you need to shut out the lie and remind yourself of truth. That is the purpose of God's word. We not only do this for ourselves, we do this for each other, right? So I, I love that. It was such a powerful time last week. But in a lot of you know the story of Mary in the Bible, Jesus's mother, right? She's in a lot of different places in the Bible. But I love if you read in Luke chapter 2, in about verse 19, it's right after um, Jesus is born and he's in the manger in the stable and the wise men come and everyone's coming and they're freaking out. Oh my gosh, Jesus is here. And they're kneeling down and all this stuff. And the scripture in verse 19 alludes to the fact that Mary is kind of off by herself for a moment, away from the kind of chaos of what's ensuing and everyone's excitement. And it says that Mary observed these things. She stored them in her heart and she thought about them often. And I love that because it's such a 
such a good reminder to me that when God does stuff in our lives, when he brings people into our life that speaks a timely word or um, shares something with us that really encouraged us or has a conversation that we just feel like, man, we needed to have that. When things like that happen or God's given us direction on something kind of out of nowhere, answers a prayer, it's easy, especially in our fast-moving culture, to just kind of be like, oh, that was awesome. And in the moment, we're really excited and appreciative of it. And then we kind of just let the moment pass us by. We need to remember to record those things, to, to write them down, whatever that looks like for you, if that's a journal, if that's, um, you know, you write it out on your phone or whatever that looks like for you. Write those experiences and moments down. So that way when you're feeling attacked, when you're feeling kind of down, you can go back and remember, no, God is good. This is when he came through for me here in this prayer. He provided a word when I needed it here. He used me to encourage this person here. This person came through when I really needed someone here. Go back and, and rehearse those things. Store them in your heart and think about them often. We need to get really, really good at stopping the enemy from winning when it comes to our thoughts. You know, I, I shared in our dating series, we joked about kind of the differences between girls' and guys' brains and girls kind of like spaghetti noodles, like a giant pot of spaghetti just running together and one noodle just gets tangled up with the next noodle and five more noodles and then you have this big ball of mess and it's just a disaster. That's a girl's brain, a disaster. And then you have guys' brains who are like waffles and they have these little boxes, you know, and you can pour a syrup in one box and cut it and eat that box, or you can pour syrup in all of them. I don't know how you eat your waffles, but I'm not judging. Um, But it's kind of the difference between the two is girls' brains, all these thoughts run together, and guys' brains, you can kind of, you kind of jump in little different, different boxes, focus on different things at a time and kind of shut other things out, is as a general rule. Some of you might be a mix of the two, whatever. But when it comes to rehearsing the truth and silencing the lies, Kind of think through it in the lens of this. For me, I'm, t- I'm a total noodle brain, okay? I know that if I let it, my brain is just going to spill all over itself. It's going to be like a splattered marinara noodle mess everywhere. Not pretty, okay? So I have to get really good at acknowledging the fact that when, you know, what are my triggers? When I'm feeling stressed, when I'm feeling overworked, when I'm feeling like I don't have enough downtime, whatever that is, recognize the triggers in yourself and acknowledge the fact that, okay, this is probably going to be a time where the enemy is going to try and attack me. He's going to try and get some lies in. He's going to try and get me all jumbled up and distracted and pulling away from what I know to be, I know I need to be doing right now. And you build safeguards for yourself. You go back and remind yourself what God's done in the past, how he's come through for you, the words of encouragement that someone has spoken over to you for me what that looks like. If you were to look in my phone right now, I literally have a note in my phone that's called nuggets of wisdom. And it's a dumb title, whatever. But I literally have an entire list in my phone that anytime I hear something that encourages me or um, had an answer to prayer or just read a scripture that really stood out to me and reminded me of who I am, because that's who God says that I am. I write that down on that list. And when I'm struggling, I go back to that list and I kind of read through it And I remind myself of what I know to be true. I'm rehearsing the truth. 
I'm silencing the lies, but I'm rehearsing the truth. You know, some people will just say, oh, you need to get away from that negative energy, those negative thoughts, and, and, and go over here and have some fun. Okay, well, that's great that you moved away from the negative, but what are you rehearsing? What are you stepping into and making the choice to remind yourself of what is true? Are you just kind of existing, waiting for the next thing to happen? Or are you telling yourself, no, this is what I know to be true, and this is what I'm going to stand here in faith and proclaim over myself? Does that make sense? Okay, so rehearse the truth, silence the lies. Last thing, and I kind of alluded to this already, but remind one another. Remind one another. Guys, this is so vital. If you're like me and you struggle with insecurity in any form, which is probably most of us in some way or another, if you struggle with that, you need people in your life around you that are going to build you up that are going to remind you when you aren't strong enough to remind yourself, you better have someone in your corner that's strong enough to shake you up and remind you of what is true. Okay. We need good people like that. If you don't have someone like that, look around. There's 60 people that are amazing that, that can provide that for you. If you, if you invest in here, you sink your roots in, this is the best place for you to be. You know, but for your friends, do you, do your friends just kind of like goof around with you and you just have a good time together, which is not, not bad, but do you have anyone in your corner that knows you well enough to know when you're in a place that you need to be shaken up a little bit? I'm so thankful that I have people in my world that know me, that see me beyond my facade, beyond my mask and know when I need to be grabbed by the shoulders and roughed up a little bit and say, Smack you across the face. Stop it. This is not true. This is what's true. We need people like that in our life. In Isaiah chapter 45, if you turn there real quick. Isaiah chapter 45, verses 9 and 10. I'm sure most of us, if we think about it, um, we have probably... Someone that we know that has a baby or maybe we have a niece or a nephew or whatever. Um, only one I can think of is baby Hayden. She's so cute. Everyone loves her. The Lord knows when Ed and I have a child someday, she will not be as cute as baby Hayden. <laughs> it's a, it's a, that's a high bar to measure. No, I'm just kidding. But the interesting thing is, you know, it's so easy for us to be so self-destructive, Right? We get in our heads and we, we look and think about all the things that we hate about ourselves or we're frustrated about, or man, why can't I just change this? Why can't I just change that about myself? When if we were to take a step back, you know, if you think about it, if you think of that child in your life that you know, whether it's a baby or a little kid or whatever, imagine someone, imagine you being in its presence when someone is bullying it or talking down to it or saying, you're a terrible human being or you don't have what it takes or you're not pretty enough or you're not smart enough, right? If you think of that person, that little child as, as just this little baby and someone's saying that to it, that's appalling to us. Even if we didn't know the child and we overheard that, something rises up within us, right? That's not okay. That's not, you don't do that. But how often, if we're being honest, do we do this to ourselves? Do we do that very thing to us and that feeling that we feel when we're thinking about someone saying that to a child that we know 
and that feeling that comes up, that, that rage, that injustice, God feels that towards us when we do that to us, but a thousand times more. In Isaiah chapter 45, it says, What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it, saying, Stop, you're doing it wrong? Does the pot exclaim, How clumsy can you be? How terrible would it be if a newborn baby said to its father, Why was I born? Or if it said to its mother, Why did you make me this way? Guys, let's not be people that speak negative and destructive thoughts to ourselves or to others. God does not see you through the lens that sometimes the world can make us see ourselves through. You're beautifully and wonderfully made. Let's get people around us that remind us of that, that speak that life and that truth into us. You know, like I said before, we all have these different blank spaces, if you will. And for mine, definitely a big coping mechanism for me over the years was food. For you, you know, it might be relationships. Maybe you've had a string of boyfriends or girlfriends and you know that you've never really dated anyone seriously or opened your heart up to someone because you're too afraid of what might happen. But you know that you can't be alone, so you just date to date and you move from one relationship to the next. Or maybe what that looks like is just a string of depression in your life. And you have ups and downs. Some days you're feeling really good, and then most of the days you feel really down, and you just feel like you're stuck in this cycle or this loop. Maybe that's a string of jobs for you. Maybe you bounce from one thing to the next because you can't really decide what you want to do with your life because you feel like you don't measure up to anything, and you do well for a while, but then you get tripped up or you get yelled at by your boss, and you say, screw it, I'm not good enough. I'm going to move on. Or maybe that's a destructive kind of relationship where you end up staying with someone for years even though you treat you like crap, but you feel like that's the only thing you deserve, so you might as well be with this person or versus being alone. Maybe that's gossip. Maybe you're at work and you find yourself just perpetually just talking negatively about people, and you don't even know why. But you just feel like you're stuck in this cycle because you just feel like you have to speak what everyone else is speaking versus speaking life into someone to fill this void in yourself. Maybe that's friends. Maybe that's fighting your way to the top. Whatever that looks like for you, I really, really felt when I was just praying over this and thinking about sharing my story and what I felt like God really wanted to speak to me, I just felt like this really prompted just on my heart when I was, I was praying about this. And this is kind of the last scripture I want to share with you guys before I end. But in Isaiah chapter 43, again, you can do that. turn there if you want, but verse 1 through 7, I'm going to read it. And it says, but now the God who made you in the first place, the one who got you started, says to the land of Israel, do not be afraid. I've redeemed you. I have called your name. You are mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're in between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God, your personal God, the Holy of Israel, your Savior. I paid a huge price for you, all of Egypt, with riches and gold thrown in. That's how much you mean to me. 
That's how much I love you. I'd sell off the whole world to get you back. Trade the creation just for you. Guys, that means that if literally, if you were the last human being on the face of this planet, the God of the universe that created everything that can do whatever he wants, he still would have sent his son to die for you. For you. Even if nobody else was included in the picture, he would have died just for you. In the Amplified Version, it says, but now, in spite of past judgments for Israel's sin, Israel is the land that God had taken his people through. They were his chosen people, the holy nation, but they screwed up a lot. If you read in the Old Testament, they did a lot of dumb stuff. Okay, so he's saying, in spite of past judgments for Israel's sins, thus says the Lord, he who created you, And he who formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've ransomed you by paying a price instead of leaving you captive. I've called you by your name, and you are mine. If you walk away with nothing else tonight from my story, walk away with this. We all have blank spaces. And I I really felt like this was just put on my heart to share with you guys, but God wants to know that you have a blank space, but he's already written your name and it's etched in eternity and it's not going anywhere. You can't do anything to compromise that. You can't be, you can't do enough dumb to run away from that. And so maybe you're like me and you have struggled with insecurity or just feeling not measuring up for a lot of different things over the years And maybe you're sitting here tonight just even feeling like, man, I hear her talking about this, but I don't think this relates to me. Can I just tell you that God knows your name and he has called you. He has equipped you. You are his. No matter what you say, no matter what you have walked through, he wants to use you. He wants to pull you out of what you have have feared and, and have been anxious about. He wants to redeem you. And I just really, really felt that on my heart for us tonight. And, um, so I just want to, I want to pray for us just for a second. And, um, before I do that, there's this book that I love and I've, I've read it a bunch of times, but it's called you're already amazing by Haley girth. And there's a quote in it. Um, and it says, we're all going to wrestle with our identities, feel drawn to insecurity and want to fill those holes within us in other ways. That's not a sin. What matters is what we do next. We have a choice between living in the truth or giving into the flesh. And what we choose ultimately shapes us in the course of our lives. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want my life to be dictated around the fact that I've struggled with my insecurity and my self-worth and all of those things that I already talked about. I don't want that to define me. I don't want that to be the thing that drives the decisions I make and the relationships I allow in my life and the the dreams that I strive for. I want to walk in the life that God has laid out for me, the abundant life that he's laid out for each one of us. And that's what I, I want to pray for us tonight as you go. That's my, just the one thing that I want you guys to walk away with is to walk in that, to know that God's called you. So I want to pray. God, I just thank you again for each and every single one of these young adults, God, in the stories and just the, the people 
that they are. God, I thank you that they are your greatest work of art. God, no matter what they have walked through, no matter what they have journeyed through, God, you are with them and you want to use them and you want to bring them through the other side. So I just pray that if any of them are struggling with insecurity or doubt or just anxiety or whatever tonight, God, I just, I pray that you would meet them right where they're at. God, that they would open themselves up to you to hear your voice, to know what you're saying to them, God, and to walk in the gift of life that you've given to them, God. In your mighty name, amen. Well, thanks, guys. Um, Like Michaela said before, we have, I think we have about seven spots left on the UGM search and rescue. Again, if you have not gotten to experience this, you do not want to miss this experience. It is, it's such a just life-changing night. You get to meet some really awesome people. Um, we're meeting here at the church at like 6.30 or 7 o'clock, and we'll all go get down together, serve for a couple hours, hand out hot drink and food and blankets and that kind of thing, and we'll come back here. So if you're interested, talk to Michaela or any of our leaders. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good night.